Okay, so ready? Yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Nicole. Uh, where you're located? Where you're in New Hampshire, New Jersey? You're close. I am in New Hampshire. Yes. Um, right. I was in New York City for ten years until well, this past June. So okay. I'm in Exeter, New Hampshire. Well, you got out at the right time. Um, and you are a triathlete. You mm -hmm. are a um, multitasker, obviously. So tell me, tell us about yourself. Sure. So I am a professional triathlete. Um, and I also work full time as a digital project manager at Citibank. So um, definitely quite busy with uh, working remotely full time as well as triathlon. How do you, um, what was your first passion? My first endurance sport, which I was passionate about because I did it for so long, is swimming oh. Once when I was eight years old. Um, and I guess, I guess to, to get to the point of triathlon, I, I was, I was a swimmer and then I was a runner in high school. Um, there was a brief time where I was playing softball. Um, technically baseball was my first sport, <laughs> my first organized sport, um, playing actually fun enough playing with the boys, which is on little league because my town did not have a, like a girls league yet or a girls softball league until a little bit later. So um, so yeah, to bring it, to take it from the beginning, I played little league first endurance sport was swimming. And then I picked up running when I was 14 in high school. Um, then I became a, um, I started, I ran in college. I ran division one at Bucknell university and I wanted to keep running. So I kept running after graduating for about two years exclusively running before I picked up triathlon. What were you running in school? Well, one, what did you swim? And two, what did you run? I swam, funny enough, the distance events weren't my best. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that the 200 free was the best thing I did in high school. And growing up, I was a good backstroker for a, a time. Um, and then... I, what was the other question about? What'd you run? Oh, what I run? Oh my gosh. I run cross country, indoor track and field and outdoor track and field. Um, but my, my love is cross country. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, and then you, okay. So you are a professional athlete and you have this professional athlete title, but that doesn't mean you do it full time. And I know I get, so I, I'm briefly mentioned this before, but so I know a lot of like CrossFit professional athletes and um, other sports. I'm not so familiar with triathletes and how it works with being a professional because you, you know, you make money by winning or, you know, finding that spot, but you also make money from your sponsors. Um, you mm -hmm. don't like, how does, how do you juggle it and why, like, there's not a huge amount of, I guess, money into it. You're doing it for your love of it or, you know, cause I think that it's gotten big with like Spartans and all that. And I know it's different, but I, you know, there's, I feel like it's kind of, it's become a little more mainstream. Yeah. It's, it's very similar in the sense that you, you are your own sole proprietor and you're responsible for getting whatever sponsorships you can get. Um, it, that's how it's like similar to CrossFit or running actually. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
by having my, I guess, professional license or elite license, it means I at least have the option of entering races that pay a pro prize purse. So it's more of I have the the access to for the potential to win money back. Um, so with that, the triathlon's in a bit of a recession um, or, or a bit of a recession or a plateau, how you, depending how you want to look at it. So the the prize purses aren't there like they used to be. And um, the the support for um, from brands is more, I, and I'm sure this is, this is, uh, this is across all the all sporting industries, but they're um, using it more for amateur um, who have a, a large following versus oh. a professional who's at like the top tier of their sport. So, um, yeah. So while I, I have I have access to the prize purses, but then it's up to me if, if I want to get sponsorship from brands. So with that, um, I'm I have obviously I didn't win any money last year in 2020. Um, won a little bit my first two years, which my first year as a professional was 2018 and then 2019. Um, don't think it's, if you actually add up the, the dollars of, or sorry, if you add up the, the dollars I've won compared to the, the length of which I train, it like, does it, it's like pennies per hour, but, um, I love it and I'm super passionate about it. And I'm so fortunate to have, I do have a couple of sponsors, but I'm so fortunate to have the ability to have like a full-time job and feel grounded mm-hmm. and not worried about where my next paycheck is coming from. And that actually, I think allows me to perform better because I don't have the pressure of, of having to win race money. Totally. And I, I mean, a weird year, you know, that it was just kind of thrown our way like this, like how could anyone do anything or win any money? Cause there weren't any races. So it's like to then be dependent on nothing is like, okay. You know, so it is absolutely, I mean, the reality is that some people have that mindset of, you know, there's only option a where clearly you, you know, figured it out another way, um, which is great. Um, how do you juggle it? What's your schedule look like when you're in, and I guess, um, you're constantly training or you have some sort of, I know you have a coach and you have a program. I'm assuming that he, he or she puts together for you and then, you know, you taper or you don't, or how does that whole thing work? Yeah, I have a, um, a coach who provides me with workouts about, I do, so my, my weekend or my, my weekday scheduled about to, um, to include about three to four spends a week, three to four bike rides a week and three to four, mostly usually three runs a week. So add it up and I'm clearly doubling up a lot of most days, about five days a week. Um, so uh, weekday mornings are typically I'm, I'm a night owl, so I don't like to wake up early. Um, I feel like I'm not like most triathletes in that sense, but usually I'll do a morning session, whether it's swim, bike or run around, um, try to get out the door by eight 30. And I know that sounds like so late and like luxurious, <laughs> um, and- but you probably go to bed late. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm in bed. I try to like turn out the lights by midnight. So, (laughs) um, 
so yeah and then I try to get back by like in the morning try to get back by around 9 30 and usually uh admittedly I'm I'm jumping right on a call in my running gear still like having just eaten like a, a bar and um <laughs> but it's I I definitely like take it to last minute um but I try to do I do maximize the time when I'm out there so the hour the hour run or um hour swim or usually hour 15 or an hour and a half bike and with your so during training season that's what mm-hmm. your schedule looks like um what does your off season training look like or you don't really train or you do or you do anything else you're because I I feel like and I'm getting because I was tr- in fitness so like training people for I don't know like the last 10 years almost and I would get like um marathoners I had a few triathletes that I would train and from I would always try to incorporate weight training for them uh, and you know there was always some sort of resistance back and I think that when they really saw that it actually helped it then they're like oh thanks but I think that normally you know people that do it are so skeptical and I understand that because you know you want to practice what you're doing to get better at it but it's like you sometimes need that supplementation to boost you that extra bit so for me i was i was like i was that endurance junkie resistant to strength training and i finally um started to to strength train when i joined my current coach now a year and a year and three months ago and the the reason i was resistant is because I wanted a coach who was going to program my strength in with my endurance. Uh, I, I couldn't, um, um, it was hard for like, I wanted my coach to, to, cause I didn't know. I was like, there's people who say you should strength train on the hard days. Cause it like make them really hard. But then, then there's some, there's, uh, folks who think that it's, you know, strength train on like the medium days because you're not like super tired. And then there's, um, the folks who say strength train on your easy days. And I was like, I just, you know, I don't want to like just throw it in willy nilly. And like, I want it to work with, I want it, I want it to like to ramp up what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so finally with my, I actually have a, my, my coach works closely with my strength coach. So I have a separate strength coach who provides me with the exact movements, um, through an app, and he has like videos for each movement and he coordinates with my, I guess to call it my, my main coach to make sure that it's working with, mm-hmm. you know, hard, hard bike day in the evening strength train. Um, on Wednesday, I have a easy swim and a, or a hard swim and a medium run. Therefore let's focus on mobility that day. Yeah. Weekend. So it's not just strength that he provides me, but it's, it's mobility, it's strength, um, and, um, like soft tissue reset days. So some days like I open the app and it's like foam roll this and, you know, do this like mobility, thoracic spine Mm -hmm. uh, exercises. Nice. And you've seen a change or it hasn't been long enough to really see anything yet? Um, I have seen a change in my, my more explosive power. Um, I was very, um, I was used to be the kind of uh, athlete who could like, you know, ride at this, this wattage all day. But the second you wanted me to go above, it was like really tough. Um, so I've noticed that. And also just 
injury. I haven't, knock on wood, been injured in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's, I totally get it. And I would always go back and forth with people that I would train. Like they'd say, yeah, but I need to get better at running. So I need to run more. And I'm like, but no, you need to squat and you need a deadlift because those are things that will strengthen everything that you're doing. And it will just make it all better. I promise. And it's funny mm-hmm. because I, um, I'm not like, I like, I like to weight train. I like to cross train, but I'm not into particularly long things. Um, and at one point, I think it was last year, or t- it was in the last couple of years, I was only weight training. And my husband's business partner was like, Hey, do you want to run a marathon with me? And I was like, I don't, I'm not. And it was, it was a half and a full together. I was like, I'll do the half with you. Like I'll do the first half. And I ended up, and I, I didn't run. I didn't run once. I was only strength training. And I ended up completing it in a, at 141, which apparently is good. And oh my goodness. it was so funny wow. because I was like, yeah, I mean, like, but, and I got, I finished and I was like, dude, like, I felt so good. And I, that's always like my testament to strength training is so important because I, I'm not, I didn't run. Like, I'm not, I like running. Like, I'm not anti-run. I, I now run, you know, here and there, but I think that it's so important. And I would, I'd say this story to, or I used to say it to my clients and they'd say, Really? And I'd like, you know, have to pull out my um, athletes and show them like the little thing. And I'm like, I swear, like, strength training works. They're like, you didn't miss a timing mat somewhere? (laughs) I know, crazy. Well, what happened was I don't know how to pace myself, obviously, because I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. But I got behind this chick who I actually think ended up taking first. Um, And she, the first, I think it was like four, five miles or something we ran six something like six minutes per like six fifties or something for the first few miles because I was able to stay with her. And then I lost her not because I couldn't keep up, but because we hit a pack of people and I literally just, I lost her and I didn't know how to. So then I, you know, I like you play that game where you try to keep up with that person and this person and I just kept trying to find her and I just couldn't find her. So I couldn't figure out where I was with how I was fast. I was running or slow. I was running. Um, Mm. But I do think that it's, you know, you got to, if you can find someone to pace you, that's like a huge cheat, like super helpful. And like with the strength training, like you have to be able to move well. There's so much like, and especially my races where I'm on the bike for two and a half hours and then I run a half marathon after like, I have to have like a functional body in order to achieve that. And like no amount of, I, no amount of endurance is going to make me move really well. Totally. It's going to make me be able to move for a really long time. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing that, I mean, obviously you have your own coach, but something else that might help you is if you, I don't know if you do train with a weight vest. But it will help you because when you make that transition, right, you're lagging. So essentially when you're already exhausted, if you start training with a weight vest, because you're small, like, I don't know how big you are, but you, I don't know, tw- in the 120s or maybe even smaller. Yep, yep right, and, <laughs> right around there. But it, it will actually help you a lot with your, um, with your strength. And it eventually it will feel like, I don't want to say it will feel like nothing, but with, with that transition, it will help a lot from your, I don't know, the order of, you know, 
I guess you're swimming, biking, or biking, swimming, biking, running, swimming. Swim, bike, run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it will help with those transitions. Hmm. Something to think about. Um, How... I feel like I have so many questions for you now. Um, <laughs> so you juggle it all, basically. Um, how do you go about finding your coach? That was that was tough. Um, yeah, but I, there's no obviously there's no like directory for triathlon coaches, which is um, weird. You would think there would be, no? Yeah, I, I, and I, I'm. There's a couple different certifications, but there's those certifications don't hold like a, a roster that's accessible. Um, and so I had, I had trained with a coach in New York. Um, and that uh, I was coach Kane of city coach and for, and he's the one who got me from complete amateur. And I was, I was a good runner, but I hadn't, I hadn't run, ridden a bike for performance ever in my life. So, and I had the swimming background, but, he, he helped me by going, literally going out on river road, which is across, um, across right into New Jersey, right by the George Washington bridge. Mm -hmm. And he rode with me and basically held my hand and, and helped me under, um, just like, I didn't know you didn't coast down the hill. Like I didn't realize you kept pedaling down a hill. Like that was just like a novelty (laughs) to me. Um, I guess, does it depend how steep the hill is or always you try to it, pedal? It depends. Of course, like, yeah, if the hill's super steep, I still, there, there's breaking that happens, but, um, not, not as frequently. Um, you gotta be pretty fearless, but, um, and you just have to learn how to control a bike better and understand how that speed can carry you down the hill around a curve or through a turn. So, um, I definitely credit him to getting me to like learn how to ride a bike fast. Um, and fearlessly. And then, I'm sorry. And fearlessly. And, yes. And I actually trained with his wife a lot, who was a, a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Um, and, and, uh, so, oh yeah. So then to find, and then I, I guess turned professional and I wanted to have teammates who were going to lift me up because anytime I've been in a situation and this happened in college as well, where I'm not the, not nearly the fastest when I surround myself with people who are really good, I, it, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. So, um, yeah, so I want to find a training group, uh, granted they are mostly based in Boulder, but we have, um, typically have more training camps so far. There's only been one, but knowing that I have access to teammates who are phenomenal athletes as well. And having those, um, two week training camps is, um, really helpful. And I look forward to having one again. Um, so I found my coach by discuss, uh, discussing with other professional triathletes who have been around. Um, and I was like, who, what coaches have you had and how did you find them? What should I look for in a coach? Um, what are the what are the obvious questions? What are the not so obvious? And I had lengthy discussions with three coaches who have who have other um, successful professional triathletes, and I also really wanted a woman. And there was no reason. Like I I loved Coach Kane. He was fantastic, um, but. I, I, I also just wanted, um, I wanted a, a female mentorship 
And that was really important to me. So I found Julie Dibbins, who was a um, also uh, won several half Ironmans, and she's still a badass on the bike. Uh, I can't keep up with her at camp. <laughs> um, and um, so I found Julie, and we had an hour call, and I had hour calls with three three coaches, and I just really gelled with her. And so here it's we important. are. Yeah. Are there a particular, um, is it big in the U S are there region like pockets in the U S where it's like, you know, just, I, cause I've also heard like in Colorado, it's a thing, but there's, you know, there's like serious races out there. It's, it's famous for it basically. I feel like, but are there, is it a thing in uh, like abroad or is it mostly a U.S. thing or? Yeah, it's, it's both. Um, I'd say looking at, so I do a lot of Ironman race, Ironman branded races. It's, it's really confusing. There's Ironman the company, but then Ironman the distance. Um, so Ironman branded races are pretty much 50% North America, 50% Europe and Asia. Wow. There's also challenge is another brand of racing that is, has a couple in South America, otherwise all Europe, um, Europe and Australia, um, and New Zealand. So, um, my, I had plans to do two international races last year and I did two international races the year before that, um, one in Ireland. And if you count one in Canada, (laughs) um, so, um, it's, it's a fun reason to travel. Um, bringing your bike on a plane is like, it's kind of a, kind of a pain, but it's such a great excuse to see, go to a place you may not have considered and see a different part of the world in like a very different way and really integrate yourself with that experience. Whereas you're not like doing the touristy things, maybe do the touristy things after, but, um, see like really be integrated with other people racing. Yeah. It's awesome. How do you, uh, I'd imagine taking your air, your bike on an airplane is like trying to take your bike on the subway, right? Like it's super uncomfortable. Everyone's staring at you. It's like super awkward to schlep it in, schlep it out. Like I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's exactly like you're you have like a special case for the bike, but uh, it's uh, yeah, you're like dragging it around the airport, and then you bring it to like the oversized luggage, and you just like cross your fingers that they take good care of it. Yeah. <laughs> How much does your bike weigh? Um, it's about 19, 18 or 19 pounds. Actually, it's behind me. Yeah, I see um, it. It's so cute. Yeah. So it's very it, cute. it is, it's actually heavier than my road bike. And that's the reason for that is just the aerodynamics, even though they weigh like about one to two pounds more mm-hmm. compared to my road bike, it's worth it. in the aerodynamic savings. Huh? Very interesting. I, I don't, um, I don't know much about bikes, but I, you know, you, they're, I think it's, she's very pretty. Do you have a name for her or him? I, I don't, I, sh- I should, I have a name for my other bikes. <laughs> How many do you have? I have, um, I have one road bike, one mountain and my old tri bike and this bike that I got in April last year. <laughs> so talk about timing. Um, I got to race her just once. Once. Okay. So. Something. Yeah, a small, small distance time trial setup race this past summer. Nice. And how does a time trial work? Um, yeah. 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 So um, the 
the race I did was a time trial format. It was a triathlon, but we, they had starters every eight to 10 seconds. So at any point in the race, you could be beating someone who's ahead of you and someone behind you could be beating you and you don't even realize. Um, uh, but they did start the races with based on your expected finish time. So you had a rough idea where you were in the field. Um, so that's, that's typically, typically the races with, um, because I race in the professional division, it's, I start out with 10 to 20 other women in a mass start with a swim. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you always know where you're at with that. So it's always 10 to 20 other women. That's usually how many show up, um, on race day. I think the limit's like 30. Huh? So, because I start with all the other professional women and there aren't, there aren't that many. Are there age groups, weight groups? Age groups start after the pros. Got it. So if you're a pro, it doesn't matter how old you are. You're a pro. That's it. Yep. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. It, yeah. It is, it's pretty cool. Cause it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't like, there's no factors you, you are, you're not. Yeah. And you're, you're like, you're in the race and because you all start at the same time, you actually know where you fit in. Right. Whereas when you start out triathlon, you are, they, they usually go off in age groups or sometimes you have like men 35 to 39 plus women 45 to 49. And like, and maybe three other age group divisions all start together, but then there's, uh, in one wave and then there's sometimes two waves up to, 20 waves for like a national competition. So when you're doing those, you actually don't know where you're at, except that you have to put your age on your calf in the form of a Sharpie or a tattoo. And so you're like, when you're racing, you're like looking at calves all the time. And you're like, is, is she in my age group? Is she in my age group? Um, and then with the pros, we have like a P just like a general P on our calf. So, so you don't have to have your, your age on like, out there for the world to see. (laughs) So one, one small advantage of being in the pro field. No one knows how old you are. Yeah. (laughs) And how do you go about getting your pro card or I don't know if that's what it's called pro card. Yeah. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. That's like the, the cool term, um, pro card, technically elite license. Um, but you, um, you have to finish in the top, um, in, in a race that has $15,000 or more in the prize purse, you have to finish within, um, you have to be the first uh, female or male and, or in a race with $15,000 or more, you finish within 8% of the winner's time. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so technical. (laughs) Yeah. There's, a couple of ways there's like one other way, which is an age graded time. Um, no, not age graded. I'm sorry. Uh, a gender graded time. Um, so if you're like, if you did a race with like, um, all men and some women doesn't matter, but if you're like, you're, if you finish like up with the top men, then you'll get a lot of points worth for that performance. And then you can also qualify. So I ended up qualifying actually New York city triathlon. I won the amateur race in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think. Nice. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Are I there qualifying in my like hometown? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like it'd probably feel good, you know, to get that little, to get it there, get it, you know, at home. Yeah, exactly. And with like my coach, like at the turnaround of the bike and like in person, like that's awesome. So, it helps, it helps also that we swam in the Hudson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, you know, I see, cause I live on the Upper West Side. And I would always see that you got, I guess you guys probably going and there's, you know, that uh, right on the West side highway where you kind of dump in and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always like, these people have serious balls to go in that water. That's disgusting. It's not, it's not, it's not as bad as I have in my head. It's no, it's, it's pretty gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and but like one advantage of being in the pro field is that we start first I think the pro men go and the pro women go and like I think we're in the water by seven so we're done and like usually that day's super hot um so like we're done like pretty early but what I will say about the water is that I made a conscious effort to like because when you get out you sort of have this like film on your face and they call it like the, the Hudson stash, or I think there's like other names, but like you have like dirt, like, yeah, it's like gravelly. So you, I made a, like a point to just go like that. to like get some of it off. And then it was on my hands. So you're like, I like <laughs> so I wonder but. why they can't think of a better solution than this. this is it, And it, I'm literally, it's right here. I'll show you when we finish. It's disgusting. Um, and right now yeah. I went for a run today, actually. It reeks of fish the, like there. I don't know if you were around for this. It happened. Um, I think in March or April, I think I was, it was the end of my pregnancy, like right around the top. Cause I was walking like a crazy lady and there were so many dead fish, literally like it was just a sea of dead fish and you were just seeing floating because something with the oxygen and the heat of the water or something, which I think is bull crap because it's, it's cold out. It's like, 20 degrees out yeah, how could yeah. but it's and it's it's so cold out today and you can still smell the fish it reeks and it's like if it were like 40 or 50 degrees outside how disgusting would that be yeah um that's that's sketchy like i know they sometimes release sewage into the hudson if it's like overflowing or something so yeah i don't buy that it was an oxygen thing it was definitely like poison <laughs> yeah horrible and it's happened like i think it's happened at least it happened at least twice in 2020 and then i just saw it again mm -hmm. or smelled it again today it's crazy it's disgusting um so we know how you find your coach um, when you do a race, how does it start? Like walk me through what your day looks like. Okay. Um, I or any like, um, you know, rituals kind of what's yeah. Yeah. I, I love getting into the minutia because triathlon is so about details. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe like if I could write a checklist, there'd probably be like at least 50 things that I have to make sure are correct before our, I start a race. So, um, I'm always there the night before the night before, because the day before the race, there's a, a, a pro athlete meeting where we go over the course. Um, we go over the drafting rules because you cannot draft in the type of triathlon that I do. Um, what does that mean? 
so you can you can draft so on the bike so like riding close behind somebody okay in itu which is a which is the olympic distance and shorter and the olympic distance is the same distance as the new york city triathlon does but usually only in itu can you draft in an olympic distance um and usually that's only the professionals can draft it's it's very small percentage that can um but in half ironman and full ironman you cannot draft ever so um you have to keep i believe it's i should like know this it's like been drilled into my head but it's like five bike lengths or 20 16 feet um between the rear of the bike in front of you and the front of your bicycle so how are you supposed to pass so you have 20 seconds to pass each rider. Sometimes it's 16 seconds. It depends on the race. <laughs> but you have X amount of seconds to pass each rider. Um, so, And when you do pass, you can't come in right behind and then like swoop around yeah. and slingshot. You have to get out of the draft zone, go up, and as soon as your wheel overtakes their wheel, they are obligated the person being passed is obligated to drop back. Wow. But that doesn't always happen, especially when you have um, usually other men in the race. Like if you start to pass them, they'll sometimes like try to go faster and then it becomes very difficult to pass. But usually the pro women have enough of a head start that the age group men who start behind them don't catch up. Hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so traffic meeting, um, that was, that's always really cool because the first, my first race ever Oceanside, California, um, in 2017, my first pro race, I, sorry, I think it was, sorry, 2018. Um, I went into the pro athlete meeting and, um, there was Jan Ferdino who was like multi- multiple time Kona champ. And you're like, Oh, I'm just gonna like sit in the same room as you. Like, that's so cool. Um, and I think Lionel Sanders was there as well. He's one of like, uh, very hardworking, very eccentric person that I look up to. Do you, um, um so you've been, you've been perf- like a pro now for a few years Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you mingle with these people, you chum with them, or you, you know, you fangirl. So you're like, oh, I'm still a little shy. How does it work? That's such a good question. Like <laughs> inside for some of these, I'm like fangirling, but outside I'm like, I belong here. Right. Cause like you, you don't, you, right. Like, and I do believe that I'm like, I earn the right to be here. Yeah. Um, I'm in a race with other people taking it as seriously as I do. And I'm at like the pinnacle of my sport and it's, it's so cool that I can compare myself to the best, right? Because like when I was in an age group, it was always like, oh, I like I, I was second in my age group, or I was first in my age group. But in those races, I was like, oh, I was to me, I was like, oh, I was second or third, and people like, oh, in your age group, and it's like, no, overall, like <laughs> I want to know how I, right? Like, yeah, I want to know very how different. I yeah. And like always trying to get the best out of myself. Um, that's going to change once I'm like, once I'm old and slower, but, <laughs> um, until then. Yeah. But what is the peak, you know, cause I'm in the, I'm mm. just about done with this book. I'm sure you've heard of it with, you know, Stacy Sims, Dr. Stacy Sims, this uh-huh. book roar. roar. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I need to read it like five more times, but I know that she talks about the statistics and the numbers of when women are at their peak. So 
what is that? I can't remember what she said. Or do you agree with it or what? I, I, Since I you're living it. it I feel like I need, like, I like to listen to her on a podcast, like, once a month just to remind myself of how much knowledge she has. Um, um, I, it depends on the, it depends on the distance. Yes. Um, I hope it's like 35, 40, cause I'm not there yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, do I you hope, find like, yourself just getting better though? So far? Yes. So yeah, whatever, that's all that matters. Yeah. And that like at this, at this, because I've been doing triathlon since 2012 or 2013, like mm-hmm. I did like, you know, that you get to a point where you hit some plateaus. Um, so, um, but when that happens, do you feel like you need to just shake it up, change your coach, change your nutrition? Changing a coach, changing, um, coaching philosophy is important. Um, changing a dynamic of like being with a group, um, exercising with other mm-hmm. people. That's only something I've missed out or missed a lot of this year. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's how I tackle that problem. Okay. I realize you are just as bouncy as I am. So I'm going to rein us back in. We're <laughs> going back to your routine. Yeah. So <laughs> at a pre-athlete meeting, um, usually 30 minutes to 45 minutes, you sign in, which is always feels really cool. You have like a big board and you like, I guess, like provide your attestation that you you will race. Um, and then fast forward, I guess, race morning. Um, I, these races start so early, um, <laughs> which is great to go to the West coast. Cause you're like, you have that time change. That's super helpful. Um, so I'm usually up around four 30 to like, just start to get some carbs in my system. I love a bagel with peanut butter and banana. That's my thing. Usually bring one from New York because New York bagels. Um, and um, I usually have that at least two hours before the start. And I have like a gel about when I'm like getting like within 10 minutes of the start. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I show up, it's dark out, which is something you like always forget that it's going to be dark. So I show up, I have to have all of my equipment, um, racked and ready. Um, I like to have that done like 30 minutes before a race start, because then I, have the opportunity, um, to, and this isn't consistent across every race, but I have the opportunity usually to warm up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's only for pros. Sometimes it's for everybody. So I put on my wetsuit, which I want to leave like 10 minutes for, because I don't want to like rip it and I have to be, be careful. Um, so before putting on my wetsuit though, I have, I have like my bike racked. I have like my shoes laid out for my, for the bike. I do, put on socks. That's sometimes like some people don't, some people do, <laughs> um, you know, like left foot, right foot. Cause uh, have them like ready in, um, in my bike shoes. I have a helmet on top of that so that I can't possibly forget to put on a helmet, like, <laughs> totally. um, helmet, which has a built-in visor. So I don't have separate sunglasses. So I have my bike set up. My bike has to be in the right chain ring. Um, so like the right, the right gear. And that's based on what the start looks like. It's usually flat, like when you're rolling out of transition, but you never know. So you have to make sure the bike is in the right, the right, uh, gear. 
um, have all of my my gels and my drink on my bike before I head out. And then my running, uh, then I have my running shoes, my running sunglasses, and another gel ready to grab for the run and a bib number. So I set up my transition, put on my wetsuit, head over to the start. And then usually I like to warm up at least 10 minutes, but time goes into a black hole between the time you leave transition and you go to like the water and it's usually like five minutes. Um, but you do what you can and you like you warm up and that's when the nerves really start to happen because you're surrounded by other, the other pro women. And sometimes they're like, again, people that you really look up to and, um, you're racing them though. You're in the same field and you know, on any given day you can beat them. So it's a long race four and a half hours usually. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's um, the time frame for that? For I guess what you're sh- really striving for for like short times, and then what would be like an extended time? Because it's always whether you're doing a full or a half, it's the same mm-hmm. distance. But if it's whether it's a let's say it, let's say it's a full, but say it's super hilly, or those don't exist. So I only have done half. Half Ironmans. Okay, so we'll talk about halves. So say it's like really hilly, right? So if it's really hilly Mm -hmm. or only up or whatever, obviously it'll be much longer. Yeah, so they do have hilly ones. I love those because my physique is smaller, so I'm a better climber um, on the bike. And um, so one of my favorite races, which um, didn't happen the last two years because there's like some financial issues with it or like they have, they're just having trouble keeping it afloat, but it's wildflower and it's in California in like the elbow of California. Um, and that's super hilly. And that one took me five hours and less around like less than five ten, but over five hours. Okay. Um, and then compare that to the same year I raced Boulder half Ironman and it was, Despite being at altitude, that's another factor. I did four hours and thirty minutes. Wow, so, so big! Hours, that's a twenty one, two, three, four, ten percent. Wait, half hour out of five hour swing. Ten <laughs> percent swing, I think. That's all. It's. I mean, thirty minutes is a lot. Yeah, it's wow. like the amount of time. Like I could be like eating and napping in like thirty minutes. After. Yeah, totally. So what is, what's like a record time? Um, sub four hours, women do go. Women do um, go? Yeah. And a, and a full Ironman, I think the record is in the 730, I think it's 736. And this is all for women. That's for women. So you're talking about back to back 348s, which is like, that's yeah. so fast. Yeah, that's, um. Mm-hmm. insane (laughs) what um what keeps you driven if you have a job and you're stable and you you know you know like obviously you have a passion for it but it's exhausting it's exhausting on your body to train if you're doing two a days if you're because you're training what five six days a week or you have an active recovery day once every three weeks I have a day completely off 
And on the weeks where I don't have completely off, I'll have a day where I just swim. So it's completely non-impact. But uh, you're looking at around 14 to 14 to 16 hours a week. Not, And I don't count my strength training in that. And I probably should. But yeah. Yeah. So, so what keeps you driven? Yeah. Um, the pursuit of being able to just get better is, is drives me every day. Um, it's the feeling, and I feel like everybody, like all athletes say that, but like having hit your potential and having a peace of mind to know that like you've, you've hit your potential at some point. Um, and, uh, growing up, I was always very driven. So whether it was my grades or, playing flute and band. I was first chair, um, you know, being in all the honors classes, um, being swimming. I was actually very mediocre. I don't know. (laughs) But running, that's probably why I stopped swimming in in high school, Mm but, um, and picked up all running full time instead, but with running, um, yeah, always been very driven and it's like completely internal. My parents were so hands-off. Um, very supportive, but like never in like never was pressured me to do anything. Um, they would have been happy if, if you got good grades, you didn't need to be in honors classes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, Um, right? Where that comes from. Yeah, I think, and I grew up seeing my parents, my, my mom works, she still works as a waitress. My dad, works in food service as well, um, uh, ordering food and making it. And he also always, he always had a part-time job as well, in addition to his full-time. So I think seeing that and like not having grown up with a lot, like we had financial issues, Mm -hmm. I always, and I, but I saw that drive. My mom would always pick up extra shifts. Um, and, and I saw that if, if like you work hard enough, then then like you can make ends meet. And, and I know that's like, it's not just working hard. There's obviously the last year's been all about your own privilege. Mm -hmm. So I I completely recognize Mm -hmm. that. I recognize that I went to a really premier, like prestigious university. Um, but I always just like worked so hard on everything I did. Um, you know, I was a first generation college student. My, my parents were, they, they were like, if you want to be a waitress, that's great. Like they support they, whenever you choose. Exactly. Yeah. Every, every job has value. Um, so, so that, but that's always been a driving force for me. We're like, no, like if I work hard, then like, then I know I've done my best and I've done everything I can. So that, that's something. And I, and I get emotional about it because my parents still work really hard. Like they're, they're on their feet. Um, I work, I do a desk job and, and I'm, I'm so, so grateful for, for my, my study job. I work, did I mention I work at Citibank? Yep. So I like, I have a bank job, like, <laughs> and then like my parents are on their feet and like, they would never accept a dime for me, but I, I, I don't, I, it's I, tough, right? That, to see your yeah. parents who are at their age older and you mm-hmm. see them yeah, getting old like, and you're just like, so it's hard. It's so hard to see. I know, I know what you're talking about. I'm, I grew up in a very similar situation. So it's Mm. very, um, it's tough. Like it's just hard. And you know, you just, I, but you know, that's what, 
that's what America's made of. And it sounds crazy because I'm from the Midwest, so you know, those flyover states, that's what America is. It's not New York mm-hmm. City. This is this is f- totally fugazi. Like, this is not real. This is not real life. Real life is what's going on where, where you grew up and where, you know, you... I was just telling someone this, that I where I grew up, literally, people would ride their dirt bikes and their tractors to school. Like, middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. podunk. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. Yeah, and I grew, I grew up in Pennsylvania, not too like on the east northeastern corner. Um, very you know very working class. Um, you like we had the day off for deer hunting season. The day off of school. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> Opening day. <laughs> yeah, um, and like I I hate like I hate that term like flyover state like that. I hate when people refer to it like that because it's like, no, those are people too. And we see it like riding bikes out here in New Hampshire. It's, it's very live free or die once you get away from the coastline. And, and in some ways it's like, oh man, like you see, you see like their, their allegiance to certain political parties and you're like, wow, like this is, we're out here, but it's like, but it's so like, it's, it's saddening to see that, but you're like, no, we have to be reminded that like, the, the coastal elite is not like, that's not the, the world, right? It's, it's not, not reality. It's, exactly. And that, that's been one really eye opening thing about being, about moving a bit away from, from New York. That's been, um, I think it's, it's, it's inherently good. It's a reminder that, that there are a lot of folks out there who, who's, who feel differently and they, their life has been brought up where they brought, were, brought up in the woods or on the farm and that that's what they know mm-hmm. um so um to bring that back to triathlon it's like when I go like these are mostly in major cities but like um like one of my favorite places was like um out in Traverse City Michigan and like I grew up like, right near there oh wow mm-hmm. cool um yeah. and I stayed like the thing is you get to stay with host families and this is like I'm reaching a little bit now because I was not out in like the the boonies at all. Like I was like with like a, a nice like nice traverse is beautiful. Um, but you stay with people who are from the area. Mm-hmm. So that's that like you have like a host family and like that's cool because you're you're integrated in that sense. Um it's very nice. It's um I mean Traverse City's turned into like a tourist town because that's where everyone mm-hmm. knows it. The casino's <laughs> there, like it's nice, it's beautiful. Um, but you know, like surrounding towns are little and tiny and, but the, you know, that I just think of it, especially now that I have a kid, I think like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want, I don't, th- I don't know if I'd want to raise her here. Like, I was just going to ask you that. Like, yeah, do you I don't me- know if I want to. My husband and I talk about it because he's, he's from Israel and he grew up very humble, like in a very humble, like middle, lo- middle, lower class, I think. And um, we're both like, we, we do good. Like we're fine. We're happy. We, and you know, I talk with my girlfriends here and they're like, oh, well send, you know, your kid to private school or do this or that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I think that it's healthy to experience things and to live and to be in the country and not have your cell phone and not, you know, 
see what the latest trends are and see what whoever is doing and try to fake that, you know, copy them and get their fake this and fake that. And I don't know, I'm not in, I think that that's why I respect athletes. That's why I really enjoy the fitness world because it's not something that you can just poof, inherit or buy or fake. Like it's something that you have to consistently, deliberately make a lifestyle of and persistently work at. Right. Like you don't just wake up and you're like, yes, genetics does play a part. And yes, you know, you can. But it's that's not what it is. It's day in, day out grind. So I think that when I when we were initially talking, I was like, you know, I really want to talk to her and pick and hear what like because it it's it's a, I like these, you know, as a like the human, that human, that natural, you know, that gritty, raw part of that comes from that. That perseverance, I guess. Yeah, no, it's a, like the ability, like for, it's kind of like to uh, make it, it's an equitable thing where like you can't out buy your way of like, you can't out buy pull ups. Like, right. I can't, exactly. I can't buy a little bit. There's the caveat of like this bicycle is like, these bikes are not cheap. And I, that's sort of like, that, that just, tugs on my heartstrings a bit because there is a lot of equipment with the bike. Right. Probably it's probably why I love the run so much is because like you you. can't, yeah, it's just like your legs and your lungs and you you know, it's, you worked, you earned, it feels like you've earned every ounce of that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, so speaking of the run, what, and I want to break down each one. So what is your like, general um swim time bike time run time when you do your halves yeah uh so swimming is i always have a right around 30 minutes um been working on my swim the last year and a half though so i hope that's more like in the 28s um the bike is right around two and a half hours usually hopefully quicker for for me and then the the run is uh to put it cleanly, hour and a half, although I do pride myself um, running like an hour 25 to hour 26. Amazing. Half. Yeah. That's great. And what do you, um, so you have your bagel and your peanut butter and banana before. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm from the Midwest. I said bagel. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I also say dad and couch and pop. Um, <laughs> what, what else are you eating? What else are you, you do your gels, your goos, what else? Yeah, yeah, I am like a goo monster. Like whenever I'm on the bike, like I, I as many as I can handle, um, usually one every 20 minutes. And so if I'm on the bike for 2.30, 2.20, it's, you're talking one, two, three, four, six, seven or eight gels. Like I should brush my teeth on the bike because that's so <laughs> much sugar. <laughs> um, and washing that down with, um, I usually, I start with a noon endurance and then I, after a bit, I have water. Um, just water. And then, yeah, after like one, after my first bottle's noon endurance and then water and then, um, grab. And I usually have to do one bottle exchange during the race, during the bike. So I have to grab a water from the assistance on the side. Nice. Did you ever poop yourself? No, no, but I've definitely, definitely, ever think everybody pees. Um, yeah. The problem with that is that 
it happens like for me always like in transition, which is like, because you've stopped. Cause like you're either going from a swim to bike and, or the bike to run and in order to like put your shoes on, you are, you're stationary for 20 seconds. And then just that moment of like relaxation, I mean, I'm not relaxed in the moment, but that moment of like, you haven't been like <laughs> sitting on a saddle, everything just like releases and you're just like, ah, oh, it's happening. <laughs> um, oh, but to, to go back and then on the run with the gels um, and then on the run, I usually have around four. Um, so like one every three or four miles. Are you um, sponsored by this gel goo company? You should be, you um, Lord. No, I need that, but, uh, I, you know what, but like on that note, you never, like, I can only carry so many gels. Like I can, I was going to ask, what do you carry them in? Just a little, on my bike, there's a little like storage box in the top. Oh yeah. That like little Mm -hmm. hump. And then, um, I can, I usually swim with, with one so that I have it like tucked in my Jersey pocket. Mm -hmm. And then in transition, I grab another and, uh, after the swim and I grab one or two after the bike and then whatever the race has, you have to be good with it and have your stomach has to be, has to be okay with it. So, yeah. And then I always, funny enough, I, I always find that like, and I, I never forget, like I read this um, from a coach and it said that like, when you find like your mind always craps out before your body. And if you're not fueling enough, usually, or if you start to feel like kind of negative and you start to have those negative thoughts, if double check, if you haven't had a gel in a while, that's probably, that could, that could actually cure uh, some of your like negative thoughts. It's like, cause you're starting to run a little low. So, that's and I so, always it makes sense though. Yeah. I never had a gel I regretted. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that there, there's your um, answer for that. Mm-hmm. when you um oh, i just lost my train of thought but it was about the gels and the um oh, why did i lose my train of thought i swear to you it's pregnancy you- brain like postpartum my i'm all sorts of wonky and it's every woman that i know uh <laughs> when you so aside from the gels and the goose what else do you mm-hmm. eat? Like what's your normal nutrition kind of diet look like? Are you, do you, or you just eat, you see food, you eat it, that kind of diet or you? Um, yeah, I, so growing up, I, my mom had made, she was very into like home cooking. So it was like, um, pork chops and dumplings and meatloaf and stuffed peppers and like, I the just, hearty I, stuff. yeah, yeah. So on the nights that she didn't work, that's what we had. And then on the nights she did work at the restaurant, then my dad usually cooked like uh, <laughs> grilled cheese and on, cause he was so sick of cooking during the day. So we had like the encore chicken parm, like, <laughs> um, but it, you know, I'm, my parents were not into fitness. Um, they, um, I support all my fitness, but there was never like a diet culture at all. Mm-hmm. Like my mom wasn't one of those moms who like was trying to lose weight. Um, and she was like at regular mom weight, a healthy weight. <laughs> <laughs> mom weight. Um, <laughs> like whatever. Um, 
and um you know always full fat milk yeah my parents liked cremora in their in cremora and sugar in their coffee like margarine um <laughs> so everything was just like yeah it's just I didn't think about it always ice cream in the house and we had no limitations so same if we wanted ice cream like we just go get it we you know I remember it's so funny you say that because I remember going to like friend's house or even now like people that I know who have kids and the kids have to ask and I remember I'm, I'm like I never asked is that weird like I never my it was never I can't even imagine fathoming mom can I have a popsicle like we would my brother and I would literally eat packs of ice cream like like we would go through packs of popsicles we had the ones that were two and there were two sticks on it and we'd break it in half they had like the blueberry the the banana and the root beer or like the sandwiches we would go through jugs of ice cream and I I feel maybe it was a different time yeah, I, I don't know. We had no limitations with TV, too. Like, I would play video games till I didn't want to play them anymore. And I think, but I think that intuitive eating is so important. And I I just, I and it's funny, like, I almost, I read in National Eating Disorder, National Eating Disorders Awareness Month just happened. And I read and I, like, so many women struggle with this and men, too. And I, I read and I almost feel guilt that I I can't connect with that. Like I never, and I, and I'm, but then I'm so grateful because I didn't have to deal with that, but it feels like I, I have nothing to input on the topic other than my one experience sample size of one is I didn't grow up with limitations and I grew up with home cooking and I, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. I, I, and I, and I still do that. Like I love, butter. I just, I love Kerrygold. If I can get a Kerrygold sponsorship, <laughs> um, I love the like regular milk and like, um, pasta all the time. Like it's uh, weird, so. right? It, it's so funny that, cause I didn't really plan on talking about this, but I think that it's so valid because you know, you see on social media, all these girls and I'm sure guys, I don't know. I'm sure. Um, I mean, in athletes, you know, wrestlers, fighters, boxers, whatever, there's always a weight class. So there's always someone's trying to make weight or cut weight or this or that. And I get that. And I could kind of see how it turns into a disorder. But um, and then I'm like, well, maybe it's a seasonal thing. Okay, that's that's one thing. But I, you know, going back to the social media thing, I think that I see it a lot, a lot of females who you know, they talk about their eating disorder and I, I agree. I'm like, I never had, and I'm not saying it like, Oh, I like, I'm not bragging, but it's something that's mm -hmm. really difficult to relate to because growing up in a place where my parents weren't normally home, they, I had, my parents were divorced when I was like three or four. So just mm -hmm. being, you know, with my siblings or by myself or whatever, and just having whatever you want at your disposal. I think that there is something to it where you, and I never even thought about this till now, where you just learn that intuitive eating. Like, I know when I'm getting full, I know when I'm actually hungry. Yeah. And my parents have never portion controlled me. They've never, they've never, like, in, I mean, I already said this, it's never been, can I have, like, it's never been an ask. It's the, the kitchen, you live here, this is your kitchen, eat what you want, kind of 
mentality. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's a really interesting time that we live in because, you know, you, you, I read about it a lot also with the eating disorder and I don't really know how to, I never know how to respond because I'm like, Yeah. All you know is your own experience, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, <laughs> again, like, I feel like I can't, like, I can't give advice other than, like, I'm really, really grateful that I grew up with that intuitive. Like, I didn't know I was learning it, but. Um, yeah, only when you, and I think that now having a kid, I'm like, you, it kind of makes you question, well, and this also goes to the um, body image thing that we kind of briefly touched on before which is like, um, so when I was where, and I explained this to you, but I'll say it again because now we're actually recording is, mm -hmm. um, at one point when I was training, my husband said, babe, like you're getting a little too buff, like you're a little too manly looking or, you know, whatever you want to say. And I, I, my response was, well, I'm comfortable. I like the way I look. I don't, I don't really care. Um, but I understood what he was saying and I understand and so my actual response was one, I don't care, but also, well, if I want you to be more ripped or if I want you to be fat or if I want you to be, are you going to do that? Because I want you. And his response was, well, no. And I was like, okay, so why would I be what you want me to be? Like, I'm comfortable. Yeah, why, right, exactly. Yeah, the double standard. And yeah. so it's an interesting thing because we would go back and forth on it and then I ended up switching where I trained anyhow. So it just kind of died out. Um, because you know, when you train with certain people, as you said, you rise, the tide rises, everyone rises with the tide. And mm -hmm. that's basically what was happening is I was training with these, you know, this group of girls and you always go heavy or you always do this or that. And so you just do it because that's what they do. And you know, it was a great group, but I kind of ended up just going a different direction. So it was whatever, it was fine, but it was just interesting how, if I didn't have the strong foundation that I have of I'm comfortable, I don't really care. It would make me question it because mm -hmm. he's someone obviously that I care about. It's my husband. But I think that a lot of times, and I said this to him just, I think yesterday, like we have a daughter, you keep your weight, you know, body thoughts to yourself because I don't like, I'm not going to allow, you know, a, my daughter to have any sort of image situation like it's just like it growing up it wasn't something we ever talked about my mom would walk around in a sports bra you know she took care of herself healthy fit whatever but it wasn't like a sexual thing it was just i'm comfortable in my skin i'll wear what i want and that's it so i feel like when you have that as like a a role model maybe it makes it easier to just not even think about it Right. Like when you're when your parents or people around you are constantly, well, did you eat or didn't you eat or you didn't eat enough or you ate too much or constantly poking and prodding about those things? It makes you too conscious. Yeah. Or talking about it within themselves of yeah. like, like uh, it, you, you absorb so much of that in your daughter. Like if if she hears that, like there's just so much that children absorb that they like, then they repeat it later. I hear totally. like my friends who have children all the time. They're like, I don't know where they learned that. Like they learned that somewhere and it wasn't me. <laughs> one time I used that word one time and now they go repeating it. Um, but I think that having been exposed to sports early um, was something that really helped. And because to me, like my body was a, a vehicle of 
doing the things I wanted to do, mm-hmm. right? Like um, with starting with T-ball and then Little League and then um, swimming in the summer. And it was like, it just, and even to this day, I, there's not like a physique I want. There is the performance that I want and the physique follows as a result. And if that means a six pack, great. There are there are women faster than me who don't have a six pack because that's just not the way that their body carries muscle mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, you know, and they can mean like a bajillion different like aesthetic things. But for me, it was always like the goal is performance and anything that happens is a happy, happy uh, downstream impact. Absolutely. I, I think that that's something that's finally catching on, right? Like this the strong is beautiful movement or embracing your body movement or whatever it is that's, you know, happening in the last, I don't know, a couple of years or so where it's like you find what you enjoy and the aesthetic will come with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And funny talk, you talk about stuff you enjoy. So like when I first wanted to do triathlon, because I just, I wanted to diversify my running was like very much plateaued and like, I wasn't, wasn't having fun with it. Um, I was still doing it, um, but yeah, I just like yeah, I was actually still PRing a little bit. Like I would PR, like I had post collegiate, like PRs um, that were faster than my collegiate ones. So, but I was like, eh, this is okay. Like I don't know, and I just like needed to shake things up. And my boyfriend at the time, who I was living with, was like, oh, like he was like an elite runner and like qualified for trials, or whatever, in the marathon, and he was like, oh, like you're going to get a triathlete body. And I was like, what, what, what is okay, that? First of all, what is that? I'm so curious. <laughs> and second of all, like, fuck you. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I, that, like, I thought I you loved my, me for my great personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, what is that? Why you're with me? Um, <laughs> it was so like shocking. And I was like, I can't believe like you think that way. Cause like, yeah. So that was, that was probably red probably a red flag. Um, and one of the things that one, one reason like I did pick up triathlon is like, I wanted to do something just for me. And I was in the process of moving out cause I had lived with him and things were falling apart. And, um, I picked up triathlon as like just a, something I wanted to always do. And I finally did it for me. So good. Yeah. But it's it, it, like you said, like you knew, like in your, in your heart that you're like, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with the way I look. And therefore like, why would it possibly bother you? And that's probably more on them and it is on, on you. A hundred percent. I think that it's a, um, one, well, the more that as a female you get comfortable with, and this was before I had a kid. Right. So what I'm realizing even after, you know, you go, you have a kid, I gained like 25 pounds, which is on the, on the small side women. I think my sister gained like 70 pounds or something like women gain a whole variance of different weights when they get pregnant. And then after it's like, there's no bounce back. It's truly like a bounce forward of who knows what direction or a ricochet for that matter. Like you don't know what's, what's going to happen with your body or if it's Mm -hmm. ever going to be even, remotely similar or who knows what, but it's one of those things where it's like, because we as women go through that, or, you know, maybe you don't, it doesn't really matter, but because that's something that's a potential to go through, I think that it's super important for you to be comfortable in your skin. 
before you ever get there, before you ever, because like I know girls who they're, um, they're not comfortable in their skin and they're jealous and they, you know, they have these insecurities, whatever, and say, they say like, well, if we just get married, then I'll be happy. If we just have a kid, I'll be happy. And I'm like, I'm there and I'm very comfortable. Let me tell you that when you get married, there's a bunch of other problems that arise. When you have a kid, it's a bunch of, it's like, it's, and this is so simple and cliche, but it's truly, it starts with you. Like it has to be within you. Mm -hmm. And only when you're where you're in your happy place and you make you happy, no one else makes you happy. You do. That's when you're good. Yeah. If that makes yeah, sense. And like, you can, you can set those, those barriers keep like when I do this, when I do that and it's like, you'll just be happy now. <laughs> yeah. It's really, <laughs> if only it were that simple for people. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, like that's, I mean, that's like something in the back of my mind and not something I, I've ever talked about publicly, but like when I do have a child, which I want to do and I'm 33. So like, I, I'm not also not married yet, but like, I don't know how my body's going to bounce back or I shouldn't say bounce back. I'm sorry. Terrible misnomer. You I don't, don't have how to am I, how apologize am I new to me. <laughs> like it's, it, and it's like, Oh, you, you have a new body, like, and you embrace it. And you, it, sometimes you, it does more amazing things than it did before. And it just did this amazing thing of making a human. So, but I don't know how like the performance will be affected and it could be for the better. It could be, yeah, or it might not be. So, um, I've definitely, you know, that, that is, that does weigh on my mind. And I've sort of see like these next, couple of years as like, like, not, like what, another reason to get a new coach is like, it's got to happen now. Like I, with, with women only have like, so, like they have keeping in mind, like if they do want to have kids and there, there might be consequences totally. <laughs> um, or just time limitations. Like I can barely take care of myself. Like what my <laughs> peers, they have kids running around. Like I can barely get my own stuff done. Like I can barely keep my plants alive. Like I don't know how you do it. So you'd um, figure it out. I think that I yeah. am the least, this is your, I'm the least maternal person I know. Like, <laughs> and I, I don't, I can't, I don't know until I don't know where it came from. My husband was like, you're such a good mom. And I'm like, I know I'm shocked. Like, I oh. had no idea. <laughs> because it just, it, it's truly, it's, this is part of the special thing of being a female. Like, it's just innate. Like, it will just be there. Mm -hmm. It will. I'm sure. Something for me to look forward to. Definitely. Mm -hmm. It's a wild, wild ride, but it's, um, it's totally worth it. It's super, it's super cool. It's she, my little one is, um, 10 and a half, a little, just under 10 and a half months. And mm. she is walking like a crazy lady, like trying to run. It's crazy okay. because she's an early walker. And I mm -hmm. always joke. I'm like, well, she, because I was working out and, you know, weight training and doing all sorts of crazy stuff when I was pregnant. And I say that she had to build a lot of strength when she was in there. Cause she was like holding on to make sure she wasn't bouncing around. It's like my <laughs> little joke, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, oh, it's wild. I swear. It's my greatest adventure. And I've done some kind of cool mm -hmm. stuff. 
Yeah, I, um, I'm not equipped to like uh, to talk about the topic, but one uh, athlete I look up to is Laura King, who um, she actually lives in Vermont. Um, she's also an uh, amazing cyclist, and she had a baby a year and a half ago or so, and she talks about how like she she's very outspoken about um about like the whole like oh when I get my my old body back and she's like no like you're new you have a new body now and it's awesome and like everyone was warning her about like oh just wait you'll never sleep again and she's like how about all the good things that come with having a child and um <clears throat> and as I like as I eventually get ready for that like next stage like I I I love her approach on that because it's like, yeah, just like everyone's like giving her the negative and she's like, now I have this like other human. I can't even like picture what life was like before her. And it feels like we have something extra. Totally. It's mindset. It's truly that's, and you know, my husband and I talk about it because we both have siblings and we're both the youngest. So we can see, you know, we're very close with them. So we really see how it goes. And it's like, you can either see your kid as work and it's exhausting and it's a little hellion or you can see your kid as an extension of you and it's great fun and easy and enjoyable. And that's, you know, those are kind of in layman's terms, like the easiest ways to look at it. Either your kid is this for you or your kid is this for you. And it, as with everything is perspective. Yeah. And whether it's like kid or training or yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like if you look at it as like this dreadful thing, it's going to be dreadful and for a I little while, like, like I, I was just talking with a girlfriend about this. The first, um, you know, everyone says at the end, and it's really backwards in the U.S. And the, now that I've done like a lot of podcasts and I've spoken with midwives and see what people do in your abroad and in Europe and whatever, it's like they really have it figured out. But here we don't. It's like at during your pregnancy, they look at you as though you're disabled and you're, you know, you're not capable of doing anything. And then as soon as you have your baby, they expect the bounce back or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, I literally, the week I went overdue and I was walking six miles, eight miles, nine miles a day in the, like in the extra week and a half when I was supposed to have her, I was like just trying to induce the labor. And after once you have the kid, it's like your body is wrecked. Like, and I've, you know, you've put your your body through some pretty tremendous training and, you know, adventures and um, races and things that you've done, but it's like your body's ripped in half. Literally, you, it, that's just what it is. And it's crazy because there's this, pers- this expectation that, okay, well, go back to work and do this and do that and all these things. And it's like, okay, when I was fine, you were treating me as a disabled, but now that I'm not fine, you want me to be fine. Mm. It's very interesting. You'll see when you get there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll still have like my nice like maternity leave policy that like the cities, cities has a good one. So (laughs) for your sake, I hope so too. I think that it's, um, no, it's obviously it's all worth it. You hear this, I'm sure many, many times, but it is, um, you know, it's an adjustment, but what else could you expect when you, you know, bring a human into the world? Like when you bring a puppy home, it's an adjustment period and you didn't push that puppy out of your vagina. So (laughs) 
Like you can only imagine. <laughs> um, what else do you have to share? Um, I think that we might have to do a second episode, a part two on, um, your food and getting the right saddle fit and a bunch yeah, of other things. Speaking of vaginas, like that thing, that little, like, <laughs> I don't know, it's like less than a foot long and it's like three inches wide and you spend several hours on it. Like it's got to work. <laughs> well, I've heard, um, there's a lot of, I think, I don't know if it's numbness, but there is a lot of sexual issues that end up happening with, cyclists and I'm assuming also at like you know triathletes yeah with a poor fit um you can have if you have like too much pressure on right right on your clit then it's going to be very numb and unpleasant after a ride or even during a ride um which is why you have to have like the right and you can't tell but like my saddle's like split like it's it's solid where I sit and then it splits to allow like a, a gaping channel yeah. for your clit so that's not <laughs> vibrating because <laughs> just like the road like there's like vibrations in of addition course. to pressure so it's like perfect storm if like things do not fit well but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize we've been talking for a while like I just looked at the time it's crazy it's so easy <laughs> to just poof time gone yeah. Um, well, thanks for staying up late for me. <laughs> of course. Thank you for making time for this. I um, learned so much. And um, whenever you're back in the city, let me know. We'll have to meet up. And Yeah. So, yeah. More thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ariel. Absolutely.